0: So let's start off with the COVID-19 numbers for today. There were a record 14,575 new COVID cases and 114 more more fatalities on Thursday, the Public Health Ministry reported on Friday morning. There were 13,503 cases in the general population and just over 1,000 among prison inmates. So as you can see, the trend there is continuously going up right now. A lot of talk about hitting the twenty to 30,000 per day mark. Really unbelievable. It's hard to Hard to imagine considering how well we had been doing up until April, but this is where we are at now. Talking about Phuket, there was also 20 cases of COVID-19 reported on Phuket yesterday. Now, it's worth bearing in mind that if Phuket reaches a total of 90 in any seven days, the Phuket sandbox program will be suspended. So that was 20 yesterday. It was 18 um, in the general population and two sandboxers. So as far as I'm concerned, that's 20. I don't know why we tried to split it up. There is an awful lot of talk within Phuket that there's a lot of clusters and people are basically saying that maybe some of the numbers are not being reported right now, possibly to save the sandbox. We're not sure. But uh, the rise in local infections yesterday saw several large venues close for sanitation due to the risk of spreading COVID-19. The Phuket Airport office building is closed through to Monday the 26th and the Phuket City Municipality office is closed from today through to Sunday so that risk areas can be sanitized. Blash Jungle Water Park in Maikau is also now closed. In order to align with the government policy in containing COVID-19, Splash Jungle Water Park will postpone its reopening from July 24th until further notice. This was a message from the Water Park Management. Also, in relation to all of that, we have some new adjustments to the domestic phuket entry requirements now in my last podcast i had announced that there were new domestic entry requirements however they have now changed yet again so starting from sunday july 25th all people traveling from within thailand wanting to enter phuket must present either an rt pcr or rapid antigen test result confirming they are not infected with COVID-19 issued by a medical facility within 72 hours before arriving on the island. The new rule initially will be in effect for only nine days from this Sunday, July 25th through to August 2nd. This applies to all Phuket residents as well, all Thai people, all foreigners. Before, the rule basically was that If you lived in Phuket and you had a house book in Phuket, you only needed to show your vaccine certificate or a rapid antigen test. And the rapid antigen test could be within seven days of arrival. Now, those rules have been been completely tightened up. It's now 72 hours before arrival, which I completely agree with. This seven days before arrival was just nonsense. I mean, you could easily pick up COVID within seven days before you arrive in Phuket, you know, with your negative test results. It didn't make any sense for that but 72 hours is always seems to be standard anyway and you also have to have a vaccine certificate now so basically what I've seen is and the note that was put out on most of the uh, government pages was they don't want people leaving the island and they don't want people coming in there's special uh, dispensation for delivery drivers or people who need to come to the island but are not going to stay so maybe there's somebody in another province coming for a vaccination they can enter, but they must leave the same day. They cannot stay overnight. So there are rules, but these will be in effect now until August 2nd. But I mean, to be honest with you, I can see these rules being extended for months, not just nine days. But how long will the Phuket people put up with not being able to leave the island and having to pay six to seven hundred baht to get a test every time they want to come on the island? That's another question to be asked. So we'll see how it pans out. But um, yeah, it's uh, tough times at the moment. In Thailand, no matter where you are, you know, people are finding it hard to get around. People are finding it hard to do business, even courier transport companies. You know, I see a lot of complaints online about how it used to take two days to send something. It's taken five and sometimes the deliveries aren't even turning up because they're having problems getting into provinces because they have such strict regulations to enter so yeah fingers crossed things do get better on a positive note the new phuket rule passes now this is a story coming out of the bangkok post now some of the information in this is a little bit odd We'll try correct it at the end, but foreign visitors participating in the Phuket Sandbox scheme will be allowed to visit other spots after seven days starting from August 1. Tanakorn Wangbung spokesperson for the Centre for Economics Administration, the CESA, said the centre had approved the move on Thursday. The other tourist spots are Koh Samui, Koh Panyang and Koh Tao and Suratani, Koh Phi Koh and Raleigh Bay in Krabi and Kaulak, Ko Yao Yai and Ko Yao Noi, in Panya. According to Mr. Tanakorn, the governors of the three provinces are requested to work with the private sector and civil services to seek cooperation from people living in those areas. The tourism authority of Thailand is expected to propose additional. Tourism spots to be reopened later for international tourists, he said. Tat reported on Thursday the Phuket Sandbox recorded 9,358 farm visitors between the 1st and the 21st of July, while room reservations between July and September tallied to 244,703 room nights, generating 534 million Thai baht. Now, this is definitely good news for these southern provinces. Now, you can debate whether tourism is a thing that's needed right now during this current third wave or not. That's a completely whole other conversation. The general idea of this is that you would spend your first seven days on Phuket, followed by your next seven days either on Samui or in Khao or in Krabi. And that would be the general plan. From what I've seen is you would do your PCR test when you arrive at Phuket airport. On the sixth day, you would do another PCR test. On the seventh day, if that was negative, you're good to go. On the eighth day, then you would head off to Samui or Kowalak or Railay Bay or PP Island. But you would have to stay seven nights in that location as well you would then do your final PCR test on the 12th or 13th day, and it would be either in that location that you're at then. So it would be Kowalak, Phi Phi Island, Samui. And once you um, got your negative test result, you would be free to leave wherever you were and continue your travels throughout Thailand. That's the general plan. The whole point of what they're talking about is that the CESA have approved it. Now, What we have learned from the Phuket sandbox model is that means absolutely nothing. The CESA can approve whatever they want, but unfortunately, it next needs to be approved by the CCSA and then needs to go to Cabinet for approval, then needs to be published in the Royal Gazette. Now, as we saw from the Phuket sandbox model, that can get drawn out very quickly. The CCSA can be sticklers for health and safety, and more than likely, this will be kicked back to the Tourism Authority of Thailand, to make sure everything is correct. I'm not 100% sure how it's going to be implemented because it's talking about sealed route within provinces. Now it's not as if it's an island where you can just simply close the bridge and you're done. This is a whole different ball game. You're going to have to seal off every route going into a certain area and for example in Cowlack, the 30 kilometer stretch that has been approved for the sandbox must have 20 to 30 different roads that can lead you out of Pannier. It's going to be a difficult project to implement. Now, I don't doubt that they can't do it. It has to be looked at. Now, we have eight days till the 1st of August. And from my knowledge, and being, let's say, in the industry as such, I do not see how it will be done in eight days, especially considering the proposal that I've seen already drawn up. It needs an awful lot more time to be put into full effect for the SOPs to be written correctly, the health and safety standards to be confirmed. Places like PP Island, that's a lot easier. It's an island. Ralli Bay is also very easy to control. But when we're talking about Kaulak and Panya, we're talking about a very, very big province uh, with a lot of national parks, with main highways going to you know Renang and other parts of the country. This all has to be looked at. So realistically, I don't believe it's going to be August 1. Realistically, I think it's going to be September before this actually gets enacted. Regardless of which anyway, the first guess from the new model wouldn't be anyway till the 7th or till the 8th of August because people currently in the Phuket sandbox would not be eligible for it. It would only be people who apply for their CEO with that specific sandbox that they wish to do. So Phuket, kaulak Phuket, PP Island, whatever one they want to do. Look, it's good for the local economies. But we also have to make sure that you know the COVID situation is under control, and that you know there is going to be strict procedures because when you're dealing with whole provinces, you're not just dealing with you know a small island. It can COVID can very quickly spread, get out of control. But I put it back to you, my listeners. What do you think about this proposal? If you're a traveler to Thailand, you're somebody thinking about possibly coming. If you think, well, I can do seven days in Phuket, seven days in Khao Lak or seven days in Phuket, seven days in Phi, Phi Island, Raleigh Bay, would that appeal to you more than having to do 14 days stuck on Phuket Island? I mean, at least it's a different kind of a change of scenery, you know, and some of these other places, in my opinion, are, are, are very beautiful, you know, and pristine. So what do you think? Would it be something that you would find appealing to you? I'd love to know what you think. Please leave it down below in the comment section. Airlines nearing brink of collapse Over 20,000 employees from seven airlines on the verge of losing their jobs if the ban imposed on domestic flights is prolonged to three months without any help from the long-awaited 5 billion baht soft loan from the government according to the Airlines Association of Thailand, the AAT. AAT president said the aviation industry in Thailand is facing a critical downturn since the pandemic last year, with passenger numbers decreasing by 64.7% in 2020. However, The current situation is ravaging the cash flow of all airlines as since Wednesday they are unable to serve domestic flights from and to dark red zones. We have been waiting for a soft loan for 478 days despite the Prime Minister's commitment to help us on August 28, 2020. Every airline has faced incurring losses since the border shut down early last year. If we cannot get help within a month, more of us may have to downsize or be unable to keep the business alive, he said. The ban imposed in Bangkok, the country's aviation hub, means seven airlines have to ground 170 airplanes without a new flow of income but still have to bear the monthly costs of payroll of around 900 million baht as in the past 17 months, said Santasuk Klankchaya, chief executive of Thai Air Asia. He said the combined cost of the seven airlines has been over 15 billion baht in the last 17 months. The TAA has stepped back from its initial proposal of a request for 24 billion baht to 5 billion baht solely for the purpose of maintaining employment, but there has still been no response from the government. He said the TAA and other airlines are facing a serious liquidity shortage because they have not only been able to operate domestic flights fully for just three to four months since the first wave of the pandemic until now. Rwaranath Laprobang, Chief Executive Thai Tai Viget said all airlines have to struggle on their own by implementing stringent cost reduction schemes. Our survival will depend on the infection rate, distribution of vaccines and cash flow. We still have hope that the government will allocate financial aid which has been revised down to become more practical for the XM Bank. The NOC Air executive said airlines were also demanding a collateral-free loan with low interest as most of them don't have assets like other businesses. The aircraft fleets are on a leasing contract. So this has been going on for quite a while. Since back in August, the government did promise to help them out with soft loans. But nearly a year later, still nothing has happened. It's hard to believe that a government would let an industry go to the brink like that especially with the way they've been flinging money around the economy for all kinds of different consumer schemes that seemingly have benefited only a few of the rich as usual. Certainly airlines have not been a priority for them. Without airlines in the country people can't go places. They connect cities. They're very important to the strategic implementation of transport within a country. I mean we are, none of us want to be getting on those crazy minibuses to go anywhere. So yes, an airplane and flying is important in this country. It's hard to believe, though, that they've allowed it to get this bad. It's also worth noting that the airlines back just before Songkran when the pandemic was starting to take hold again, they were the first ones to call for a two-week lockdown of travel throughout the country. And their reasoning behind it was that a strict lockdown would curb the infections and even though they would take a bit of pain at the beginning for the future and the long term there would be more gain in it. Now they even seem to understand what was happening compared with the government who are the people in charge who are meant to know what's happening so it does make you wonder who should be running the country at times. Now we have a story coming out of the Bangkok Post. Sorry for slow vaccine supply. The National Vaccine Institute, NVI, has apologised for slow COVID-19 vaccine procurement and said it is prepared to hold talks to join the COVAX global vaccine sharing scheme. The apology came after the government weathered heavy criticism over its failure to procure enough vaccines as infection numbers continued to soar, with a record 13,002 new cases reported on Wednesday. Speaking at the Public Health Ministry, the NVI Director, Nakorn Premshri, said the agency tried to contact vaccine manufacturers in August last year and place advance orders even though the vaccines were in research trials. The Public Health Ministry issued a ministerial regulation under the National Vaccine Security Act to allow the MBI to place advance orders for vaccines being researched. This led to talks with AstraZeneca between August and September last year to procure 61 million vaccine doses, Dr. Nakorn said, adding that an order was placed in November last year. He said the vaccine procurement plan must go before a vaccine procurement committee chaired by the Permanent Secretary for Public Health. Such plans cannot be undertaken by any individual but by a committee comprising of experts and agencies involved, he said. Even though the NVI and the Department of Disease Control are assigned to work together to procure vaccines, procurement must be decided by the committee and working panels, he said. This is because the matter involves budget spending and requires a commitment to agreements, which means a vaccine procurement plan cannot be undertaken by any particular agency alone, he said. Advice must also be sought from the government's legal advisory agency before an agreement is signed, he added. This has led to public feeling that the vaccine procurement may not meet the target. It's also about those impediments and constraints. I apologize to the public. Even though the MVI has tried to do all it can, it cannot procure enough vaccines to respond to the unexpected situation, Dr. Nakorn said. The COVID-19 pandemic is something we have never experienced before. The mutations of the virus are also unforeseeable and are spreading even faster, further disrupting vaccine procurement efforts. He also said the MVI has prepared for talks to join COVAX, an international vaccine sharing scheme administered by the World Health Organization. The NVI aims to receive vaccine from COVAX next year, he said. Asked whether the NVI will be able to procure 100 million vaccine doses by this year, he said that the Institute is speeding up negotiations with manufacturers of various vaccine types, including mRNA and protein subnet vaccines. However, it has not decided how many doses will be procured and when, Ms. Dr. Nakhuran said he added the mbi also plans to procure second generation vaccines that are more effective against variants of concern in the first quarter of next year where to begin with all this firstly never heard of the guy why is he apologizing shouldn't it be the prime minister and the minister of health that are the ones apologizing to the people not some doctor working for an institute that nobody heard of up until a year and a half ago. That's a real cop-out by them and it just shows the poor leadership in not taking responsibility and sending some poor doctor that nobody's ever heard of to do all the apologising. Secondly, in this, there's many, many discrepancies from what the public health minister has also said. Now, they said uh, they started talks uh, back in August to September to procure vaccines. And they were talking about uh, they got permission to order vaccines even though they hadn't passed clinical trials. Well, that is not exactly what the health ministry said. He said the reason that Pfizer and Moderna and other mRNA vaccines weren't procured back then was because they hadn't passed their clinical trials and that under the Thai law they wouldn't be allowed to purchase them if they hadn't passed. Now that seems like a whole lot of nonsense because they bought Sinovac and that only gained World Health Organization approval a few months ago. So their arguments about why they haven't been able to get vaccines seem to be complete and utter bullshit. They have no argument for it. I think a lot of us understand what's been going on. The reasoning for not applying to join COVAX was because Thailand is a rich country and we don't need to take charity was basically what was said. And now suddenly, well, we need to get the charity in because we can't get our own vaccines. There's a lot of vaccines out there that are currently approved that can be purchased and procured. They seem to have a very drawn out way to negotiate these contracts. I do find it interesting that Sinovac can be bought pretty much instantaneously. But Pfizer takes six months to negotiate. They've been talking about buying Johnson & Johnson now for close to eight months. Still no sign of a contract there. That would be a very good vaccine to get because it requires only one dose. So five million doses is five million people. But yet, there's no talk about that. Sputnik is a no, is a non-runner because they won't send the correct data to the Thai FDA. And and that's the truth. They've sent it twice now and the Thai FDA have sent it back to them twice saying, this is the same stuff you sent us before. Can you send us what we've requested so we can actually study to see if this is safe or not? And this is a big problem with Sputnik around the world. But they seem to have so much bureaucracy in relation to procuring vaccines, getting the payment terms done that it's no wonder that we're at the state that we're at now. I always thought the reason for the CCSA and the emergency decree was that the CCSA could pretty much do whatever they wanted. So are we being fed a bunch of rubbish about the CCSA and the emergency decree? The emergency decree is only there for what? To silence the people, to keep everybody in check. But when it comes to getting vaccines and getting things done quickly, they have no hand in it all seems very odd to me but i'd love to know what you think about all of this so leave your comments down below in the comment section thanks for tuning in today if you enjoyed today's episode don't forget to subscribe and don't forget to leave us a five star rating we are available on youtube apple podcasts spotify and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts thanks for tuning in and we'll see you tomorrow